Um, so this semester, every semester, we try and think of kind of a theme for the table. And it's kind of tricky because we only meet once a month to think of a good theme that can provide congruency for us. Um, so as our coaches were talking about it, what we think would be helpful to talk about, we really decided that we wanted to be deeply rooted in scripture this semester. We wanted to unpack scripture together. And we were thinking specifically being, yeah, get excited for God's word. Um, thinking specifically being in the Old Testament. And so then I had that idea um, with some help from other people that what if we spent time in some individual stories in the Old Testament each month for the semester? So over the next four months, um, we'll have a few different voices coming in to teach other than me, but I'm super excited for a few reasons. One, I think for those of you who are in the room who didn't grow up going to church and your faith is relatively new or brand new, sometimes the Old Testament can seem really intimidating and some of these stories are like, what in the world is going on? How do these relate to me? Um, how is this impactful? How am I supposed to understand this in the greater story of scripture? Um, so I hope to provide some context for you and how these stories matter to us. And then the second, for those of you who grew up in church um, and maybe have heard some of these stories your whole life, it's really easy to become numb to some of these stories. Uh, my, my small group and I are listening to this podcast, studying the book of Genesis together, and the guy that leads the podcast was talking about that some of these stories have this thing called the lullaby effect, and that, that's just saying that we get numb. They're maybe childhood stories that we grew up hearing when we went to bed. Like, I know I'm reading some of these stories to my daughter um, as we put her to sleep, but we can grow numb to these stories, so hopefully this will bring us back to some of the power and significance um, for what God has to teach us in these stories. So I'm super excited. Tonight, we're gonna start by talking about Moses. And I chose Moses for a few reasons. One, Moses, and specifically the story of the burning bush, um, has had a lot of impact in my life and my own personal story. And so I thought it would be fun to spend some time there. Um, I've learned a lot through Exodus recently. And then also being completely honest, we're studying Exodus at Vespers, which is our college worship gathering. And so I've been putting a lot of work into studying the, the book of Exodus as well. And so I thought I might as well share with something I'm putting a lot of work into. Um, so that's why we are gonna be studying Moses tonight. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Exodus. We're gonna start in chapter two and build a little bit of context. Um, but Exodus was most likely written by Moses and he was writing to God's people who were living in um, the wilderness who had been delivered um, by Moses, which we'll read more about in a minute, um, out of Egypt and are living in the wilderness. And so he's writing the story to them to help them understand and remember where they came from. Um, so Moses' name means to draw out because Moses, uh, if you've heard this story before, he, his life was not supposed to be um, Pharaoh felt very threatened by this growing people group. So Joseph came into Egypt as a family, and then his family became a whole nation. 
And the Pharaoh at the time was realizing how big this people group was getting and he felt threatened by them. Like if they tried to come at us in war, they might stand a chance. And so I gotta take out all the, the men. And so he made this law that all the newborn male babies had to be killed. And so Moses was one of those babies, but his mom um, put him in a basket to save his life. And then Pharaoh's daughter, um, the same Pharaoh that made this law that all the babies had to be killed, his daughter's the one that rescued Moses, um, which will play into some of this identity struggle that we're gonna see Moses have. But she drew him out of the water, and then Moses also will draw God's people out of Egypt. So Moses' name means to draw out. So let's go ahead and read Exodus 2, starting in verse 11. Like I said, we're gonna spend most of our time talking about the burning bush, but I think this is important to understand more of Moses' character. So it says, one day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were, watching them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Glancing at this, this way and that, seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me just as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down at a well. Okay, so like I said, Moses was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter, but he knew he was Hebrew by birth. And so you can imagine this identity struggle. He was like, what people group do I belong to? Where do I fit in here? And then we see this kind of played out here in this story that he sees, he identifies, he says, I see these are one of my own people. And he goes to stand up for them when they're being persecuted. And then he kills an Egyptian. And then he realizes, oh no, what have I done? Because he's figured out. And so Pharaoh's mad at him, the, the people group he's been raised by, he no longer has a place with them. And then you can even sense the tension of his own people like don't really want anything to do with him. They're like, what are you gonna do? Kill us too? Who made you in charge? So he doesn't know where he fits in this story, right? He's like, am I Hebrew? Am I Egyptian? So he has this identity crisis and then he ends up going into Exodus on his own before um, God encounters him at the burning bush. And so that's where we're gonna pick up. And so you can imagine just Moses's identity struggle here. Now let's read in chapter three, starting in verse one. It says, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. So he got married in this time when he ran away. The priests of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God, which is also known as Mount Sinai. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw 
that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Prezerites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me. And they asked me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. All right, so a lot to unpack here. Um, so first of all, I, just, I wanna lean into this story. Like this is a pretty crazy story, right? And I think we can grow numb to the fact that there was a burning bush here that was speaking, right? Like we just kind of write that off like, oh yeah, God spoke in a bush. But could you imagine seeing a bush in flames and it just like nothing was happening to it? That's pretty crazy, right? Um, so I think that Moses did some modern, or some, yeah, modern day rubbernecking. Like he was traveling, going somewhere with his sheep. And I know when I see something on fire, I'm gonna like turn my head, especially when I'm driving, um, and pay attention to it. I remember one night leaving small group and um, it was a really bad storm and uh, lightning had hit like one of the telephone poles and it was in flames and I was being a horrible driver, like looking as far along as I could. Um, so that's kind of what Moses does here. He's, he's like, oh, this is weird. I should go investigate. And so he goes up to the burning bush and God both identifies Moses and identifies himself in this moment. So remember, Moses is struggling with his identity. He doesn't really know where he belongs. But what does God say to him? He says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And I want to notice something really interesting when I was studying this text is that 
God says this over and over again in scripture. I'm the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, reminding his people who they belong to, that they're part of this, this promise that he made to Abraham in Genesis, right? But this is the only time in scripture where God says, I'm the God of your father, singular. And I think that's really interesting. And I didn't come up with this on my own. Um, I learned it from the research I was studying. But I think this is really interesting that maybe God was trying to speak directly to Moses's identity crisis because he might not have known who his father was. And he was confused where he came from. And God was saying, I'm the God of your father. I know who your father is. And I know who you are. And not only do I know who your father is, but you're a part of this family that I have promised um, my inheritance to, that I have promised good things to, that I have promised to protect. You're a part of that family, Moses, and that's where your identity should be found. So you might be confused where you fit in, but I'm saying your identity is in me and that is good news. And I think that should be good news to us as well that many of us are probably struggling, especially in this season of life. Where is my identity? Maybe you've left um, your family and you're choosing a much different path for yourself than your family has chosen. And you're struggling with that tension of the way you were raised, but now the way you want to, to start to create habits for your life and then habits for your future family. And you're struggling with some of that identity and that shift. Maybe uh, you're a part of Fort Cavazos and you really struggle with your identity as, I don't know the terms very well, but like being, in the military and what they say, the type of person you should be, but then you wanna be a follower of Jesus and that looks different. Or um, maybe it's in your workplace, that it's a, a hard environment and, and you're struggling with your identity there. And maybe it's just the fact that you're choosing to identify as a Christian altogether. And unfortunately, the world um, has always been against Christians, and it's hard to be different, right? But it is good news that our identity, that we are rooted in the family of God, and that's where our, our identity is found. Um, so Moses struggled with this dislocation. Um, but I have a quote from the Bible Project that says, Moses' dislocation is resolved in God. And so I imagine this was a huge turning point for Moses, that he was like, I don't know where I fit in, but God's now reminded me where I fit in. And I hope this can be a good reminder to you as well as you're struggling through some of that. Okay, so let's keep going. Then Moses receives a very clear calling from God. God's like, I see my people are struggling. I see that Pharaoh is being relentless in the way he's treating them and their slavery. And I'm gonna send you to go to Pharaoh to get my people out of this. And then, so he's got really clear calling here. And Moses, as you can imagine, has some pretty valid excuses to try and get out of this. So he says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh to bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? is the first question he asks. And so with the context that we know, first of all, he has this identity issue, so he's probably not the most confident 
person. He uh, murdered somebody, which is a pretty big deal. He also, um, we'll read later on, he comes up with another excuse that he doesn't feel like he's very good at public speaking, so he's just not the right guy for the job. All valid excuses, but God uses broken people in scripture over and over again. And in fact, I think God delights in using broken people because his glory gets to be elevated so much more. And so Moses is doubting the fact that God wants to use him. He says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? And how does God answer this question? He says, I will be with you. I will be with you. He doesn't try and hype Moses up and tell him all the reasons why he is the guy for the job. He says, I will be with you. That's it. And I think this is also really good news for us that God wants to use each of us in this room. Each of us has unique giftings and whether you feel like you're ready for what God is calling you to or not, let me just tell you, you're never gonna be fully ready. But God will be with you. God is calling us all into something, just like he's calling Moses into something in this moment. Because when we choose to follow Jesus, we don't get to just stay there. It's not just this internal thing that we do on our own that only affects our life. Now, when we follow Jesus, it should affect everyone around us. The Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, I believe we have it up on the screen, Jesus talking to his disciples, he says for them to go out, I think we have it, and make disciples of all nations. Maybe, it will be up there. Look it up, check me. <laughs> Matthew 28. Um, God sends his disciples out and he says, you've, you've encountered me, but now your job is to go out and spread the good news to all people. God, Jesus also says a few chapters earlier, he says the greatest command is to love God and to love people. And so that doesn't sound like you're gonna get to do your faith individually to me, right? It sounds like you're gonna have an impact on people around you. And so God is calling us all to something. Maybe you don't feel like you've gotten your burning bush moment where your calling is crystal clear, but I feel like God is calling, I know God is calling each of us to something. Whether that's a relationship that you need to seek forgiveness in. Maybe that's what God is calling you to right now. Um, maybe it's to start serving in a capacity that sounds really scary and intimidating to you and you just don't feel like you're good enough yet, like you're ready yet, like you know enough scripture yet, but God will be with you. He's gonna equip you, um, and it's not about you. It's about what God can do through you. Um, for me, this has been, like I said, Moses' story is really impactful to me because when I felt called to ministry and specifically to do what I'm doing right now, stand in front of a group of people and teach, I didn't feel like I could ever do that. Um, first of all, I was terrified of public speaking, much like Moses. 
Um, and thankfully, God had a plan to get me to UMHB and study public relations because I wanted to be a wedding planner. That's been my dream or was my dream since I was a little girl. And I used to love planning my siblings' birthday parties and like party planning was my thing. And um, so I, I got to study public relations. And what happened through that is most of my degree was giving presentations and I had to get over this fear of public speaking and now looking back, I see that the Lord was equipping me for this, but I still over and over again don't feel good enough. I'm like, who am I? God, there's so many better communicators that could get up here and teach your word. But he says, no, I will be with you. And I'll be completely honest with you. Um, like I said, I have a, a baby at home and I wanted to use having a baby as an excuse to give up this role. I was like, man, maybe I want to be a stay-at-home mom. Um, not because being a stay-at-home mom is easy, but it sounded like a good excuse to get out of this calling that seems really scary to me still. Um, but God is like, no, I will be with you, and I still want you here, and I'm still doing something in you. And I know God wants that for each of you as well. Like, there might be big things that sound really scary to y'all, but God is calling you to something and he promises to be with you. 2 Timothy 1.7 um, has been a really encouraging reminder for me. It says, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. And it's, it's, this is so powerful to me because I know that the spirit that lives in me um, is what's doing the work. And the spirit gives us power and love and self-discipline and I don't have to rely on my own strength, but I can rely on the power of the spirit. Okay, so then moving on, Moses gets this answer. He doesn't get hyped up, but God says, I will be with you. It doesn't matter who you are, I will be with you. It doesn't matter about your past. It doesn't matter about your confidence, I will be with you. Um, and then Moses comes with another question. So he changes from who am I to who are you, God? He says, um, Moses says, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And so Moses here is probably somewhat trying to do his due diligence. He's about to go to this people group who might not really trust him, and he wants to kind of authenticate this mission here. He wants to make sure he has some proof for them that this God is the God um, that they worship, the God that he says he is. So he's like, God, tell me your name. But he, I also think he's hiding behind this hypothetical question here. Like he doesn't know this is for sure going to happen. And then we also, when we keep reading the story, it, it doesn't happen. Um, and so I think we often also do the same thing. We hide behind these hypothetical questions. Like, you know, when you say, oh, I heard that, um, I heard that people wanted wings pizza and things for dinner instead of pad thai. Um, but it's really you that want the wings, pizza, and things? You know, you hide behind those hypotheticals? Okay, so I think that's kind of what Moses is doing here. He's like, I really need a little bit more affirmation here. Who, who are you? Who are you, God? 
But then the answer that God gives is more than just an identification. It's more of this all-encompassing character and reputation of God. It's, it's God's brand. He's so Moses isn't just asking for this name. Moses probably already knows God's name, but he's asking like, really, who are you? Are you trustworthy? What's your, what's your brand? What's your full reputation? And it's, I, Jesus, or God says, I am who I am. And the, so I have a quote here from Golden Gate. Do we have it up there? Do we? No, did none of my slides work? None of them? Did the scripture go up there when I was reading the scripture? Huh, interesting. Well, good thing I have the quote right here to read to you. Sorry, you cannot see it up there. It says, Yahweh responds by providing not a label, but a theology. I think that's really interesting to think about, and we're going to unpack that a, a little bit more with the time we have before table discussions. Yahweh responds providing not a label, but a theology. I am is saying God is constant. God is who he says he is all the time. Unlike us, we like to think about parts of us, the good things of us, right? Like, I'd say I'm a patient person. I'd say that's a, a pretty, um, a, a something I tend to be a lot of the time. But there's times when my patience is lost, especially when I'm sleep deprived. God doesn't lose his qualities. God is always trustworthy. God is always who he is. And so God is saying, I'm gonna be constant. I am with you in this moment in the burning bush, but I'm also gonna be with you as we go on this journey to deliver my people. Um, another quote uh, from Christopher Wright, it says, God is telling Moses that he is fully and truly all that he ever will be. The repetition expresses both God's freedom, God is who God reveals himself to be, not what human beings have constructed him to be. And God's consistency, God will be who he is forever. And that's good news, right? That we get to worship and serve a God and step into these callings with a God that's gonna be consistent, a God that is gonna be with us through it all. Um, this is where we get God's name, Yahweh, from. And I'm not gonna even try and pronounce the Hebrew um, way of saying it, but this is where we get Yahweh from. Also, one more quote um, from the same guy, Christopher Wright. He says, Yahweh is and always will be God with. God with those who faithfully obey his sending. God with his people in good times and bad. God with the poor and the needy in their affliction, and eventually Emmanuel, God with us. And so I love this response um, that God has for Moses, that you want my name, you want my character, but I'm saying I am gonna be consistently with you and for you, and I am trustworthy because I am never changing. 
and I'm gonna continue to show you my character, but the character that I've already revealed to you and your people through the, the promises I've made to Abraham and Isaac and J Jacob, I'm a trustworthy God. And I want you to go and tell my people that I'm a trustworthy God and I'm gonna deliver you and I'm for you and I'm with you. Um, so that's really all I have for us. And now we're gonna have our table discussions. Um, so I have a few different questions for y'all to talk about in regards to this. Do we have the questions maybe? Yay, I don't know why those work, but the other stuff didn't work. Um, so where are you struggling with your identity? And how do you let your dislocation be resolved in God? And then the second one. Uh, yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, who wrote those? Wait, those are from my, those are from, those aren't right. I'm gonna go type them up real fast and put them up there, but the first one is right. So we'll start with the first one. Then the second one is, have you ever thought or said, if God would just tell me plainly what to do, I would do it. And then how does the story of Moses and the burning bush challenge that statement? Why do we hesitate to obey even when the will of God is plain? And then the third one is God calling you towards kingdom work that you don't feel adequate for. So I'm gonna go type those up and y'all start with the first question. If you don't get to all of them, it's okay. We'll discuss till 8.30 and then I'll pray us out and close with announcements. All right. I hope you all have had good conversations. If you wanna continue these conversations, you should join a small group. Um, I'm gonna pray for us and then we have a few announcements for y'all. God, thank you so much um, just for blessing us with this time together to ultimately get to worship you through singing and sharing a meal and conversations about you and who you call us to be. God, I pray that um, each of us would know deep in our souls and our beings that you are with us um, and that you want to be near to us as we take next steps um, into our calling. God, I pray that we would be bold um, into stepping into things that might seem scary, into having hard conversations, um, into maybe even just inviting a friend or a coworker to come to church with us. God, you are with us and you're a trustworthy God, and I'm so thankful for Moses' story that we get to learn from. Um, thanks for everyone you've brought in this room, and I just pray that relationships would uh, go deep in this space, and that we would all realize we're not alone, and that you created us to be in community. We love you, I'm thankful for you and being a good God, and it's in your name, amen.